Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This is the broadcast for March 6th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is our one of two in the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to use the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers in the supreme law of the land to restore America, ladies and gentlemen. That's a word you're not allowed to say anymore, they claim. They say it's racist and bigoted and hate-filled, but I disagree. I am an American, and I love America, and yes, she's fallen far. That's a sad tale of truth that we must deal with, but at the same time, I pray for her. I pray for us. I pray that we all can come to our senses before we lose the greatest country, providing more liberty, more freedom, more prosperity, more stability to more people in the history of the world than any other example in history. The supreme law of the land with checks and balances, chaining down bureaucrats everywhere, rejecting revolution, standing for peaceful restoration is the great key. Turning to God Almighty instead of government, turning to God, family, and country is the solution. We've got a lot to cover today, not near enough time to cover it. Dr. Scott Bradley's with us, freedomsrisingsun.com, his incredible to preserve the nation series for homeschoolers and collegiates and everybody in between, available at freedomsrisingsun.com. Dr. Welcome. Well, thank you very much, Sam, and good morning to all. Uh, very often I start my little uh, tirade <laughs> on a lighter note. Um, winter continues in my neck of the woods. We woke up to uh, nine inches of new snow yesterday. I think we've got three or four new this morning. I haven't gone out and measured it, but it continues to snow even as we speak. And uh, it is the long, hard winter. Maybe, uh, maybe this is a harbinger of something i don't know uh global warming i guess i'm getting tired of shoveling the global warming me we need something else to happen so but then oh just i gotta i gotta mention it sam just a couple of little items and i know we've got a guest waiting in the wings here but uh, i think we need to as americans recur often to things in history that uh, have some significance and and of course these are all deep subjects but uh March 6th is the anniversary of a lot of things, including me when I was in the military in 1970 in processing to a new base that I got injected with an experimental vaccine that they wouldn't tell us what it was about. I think I'm still suffering from the consequences of that stupidity. But March 6th also marks the anniversary, the 166th anniversary of the Dreadful Scott. I call it Dreadful Scott. The Dread Scott decision um, that uh, absolutely a horrifically bad Supreme Court decision. It uh, nullified the Northwest Ordinance, basically, on slavery, the uh, idea that, uh, well, it, it said nobody of African descent could be an American citizen. They, they just can't. And uh, so they closed the door on all of that stuff. It's an interesting study. People ought to read that over. It also marks the 187th anniversary. Hold on. Before we go into the Alamo, though, you can't go so fast on these. we got to at least give it a little bit of well, discussion. You know, I know we got Dred lots Scott, to do, and I talk a lot. <laughs> Dred Scott versus Sanford, 1857, folks. Look, this was a landmark betrayal 
uh, of the American people and God's children everywhere. Dr. Bradley, let's let's dig in just a teeny bit on this. I mean, I know we don't have forever, but we got to make sure people understand this is a betrayal of God's children, really the form of government that our founders set up. Oh, no question. In fact, uh, as the Constitution was being written in 18, excuse me, 1787, uh, the Northwest Ordinance of 1787 was passed through the existing Congress, and it set the uh, rules of engagement, if you will, for territories in the United States and coming into the United States. And it said <clears throat> this Northwest Territory area, which included Wisconsin, which enters into this uh, case, was to not have slavery. And, uh, and so Dred Scott and his wife and two daughters were brought by their owner, if you will. I hesitate, chew my tongue when I say that at any time. Who can own people? But at any rate, Government thinks it does, and we could talk about the 13th Amendment and all that kind of stuff and how the draft uh, basically is a complete abrogation of that. Anyway, so they spent a couple of years there, and there was there was laws that said if you spend an extended period of time in a free place, you're free. Uh, but uh, all of this stuff, uh, the, the Supreme Court tossed it. Uh, they did um, uh, the Missouri Compromise the, the, uh, that said, oh, no, no, they can't, they can't do that thing. So all of these, all of the stuff that uh, was kind of a hinge point on this slavery issue was tossed by the Supreme Court. And it, it's just an example, I think a prime example, of how the Supreme Court really is stupid very often. They're not just stupid, they're arrogant, they're tyrants, everything else like that. I mean, look at the Roe v. Wade thing. And, um, I mean, it's just, uh, Judge Roberts is always saying, oh, it's settled law. What's the settled law? Are you kidding me? Bravo Sierra, I'm calling it out. These guys with the black robes think they can um, basically arrogantly decide what's right and what's wrong, and nobody else can ever question it. Well, the Dred Scott decision was supposed to, I mean, in the hopes of those that were doing it, settle this slavery thing once or for all. People of African descent cannot be U.S. citizens and cannot be free. Books closed. We're going to walk and away. And this is this is where the American people always think the Supreme Court has the final say on everything, and that's, again, BS as well. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, they should have pushed back on that then. We push back on that now, even when they call us racists because we stand with the Founding Fathers. Look, the whole preparation, the whole plan for the nation was all men are created equal. That doesn't mean that Scott Bradley's not taller than I am. It doesn't mean that he's not smarter than I am, although those things may be factual. The fact <laughs> of the matter is I thought what you were going to call him into question. <laughs> that, we've, that we've all been given, ladies and gentlemen, equal opportunity and rights before God as far as government is concerned. All right? And that's really what we teach and what we stand for while they call us racist. So I'm just saying to you right now, the headline that I wrote was this, shame. Dred Scott versus Sanford, 1857. The courts got it wrong. And to those of you who claim we ignore the courts or we think to take the law into our own hands, shame on you. If you think the court's always right, do you back the Dred Scott decision? Uh, if you do, wow, that's an interesting twist of fate, isn't it? Uh, anyway, we thought we'd focus on that a little bit and at least highlight. You got to understand it. You got to reject uh, the criminal minds uh, of those who uh, would divide and those who have hatred in their hearts. We also need to talk to me about the annual commemoration honoring the anniversary of the 1836 Battle 
of the Alamo, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, there's a huge celebration that took place through like February 23rd through today, Monday, March 6th, 2023. And these events bring the Alamo's unique story to life, inspire visitors, and honor all those who lived, fought, and died here, Dr. Bradley. Well, and and you talk about that commemoration, you know, that uh, they started here about a week ago. Uh, February 24, 1836, uh, Will Travis, who was the commander of the uh, Alamo, it wasn't really a base, it was a, it was a church for crying out loud. They had holed up there 187 men, a few women and children, a, a little bit of food, and uh, they were surrounded by about 4,000 uh, members of, the, of Santa Ana's Mexican army. And the whole series of what happened there, the the promises that had been made to the Americans that were there about their liberty and everything like that, Santa Ana was going to rule, and uh, there was no independence or anything like that. They said, nope, we're going to go with what we were promised. Uh, clear back, I believe it was about 1823 when it was promised to them, but they had a revolution about every other year in Mexico, and nobody remembered what promises had been made by the previous government. Anyway, on the 24th of February, Will Travis, young man, only 26 years old, compare that to today. I mean, 26-year-olds today are all too often. I know there's some exceptions, but all too often they're snowflakes. They're willing to melt at the slightest idea that there's any fear or doubt or any kind of... Uh, risk or anything like that, and, and they don't want to even be faced with having to uh, somehow, in their minds, uh, deal with any kinds of issues that aren't exactly the way they want them. Anyway, little guy, not a little guy, but he was a great man, a brave man. He, had, you know, his, he was mortal, and he had lots of problems himself, but Will Travis, 26 years old, lieutenant colonel, he wrote this, uh, I mean, you, you need to get it out. I mean, I, uh, people... Uh, need to recognize what kind of stand was being made. They were going to be put to the sword. They had been told by Santa Ana, you don't surrender now. When we get in there, we're going to kill all of you. That's that's the rules, man. So you know, none of this uh, Geneva Convention stuff. Yeah, and on the 24th of February in 1836, he wrote a letter basically calling people to, to their aid and uh, patriotism and everything like that. Interesting little brief letter. Well, a few days later, March 6th, uh, they were put to the sword. And uh, guys like former Congressman Davy Crockett, uh, Jim Bowie of the Knife fame, and uh, there was there, these guys were volunteers. Every one of them could have left earlier. I mean, they, they were given plenty of opportunities to boogie. But, uh, nope, they stayed. Everyone was put to death. And Santa Ana's army was defeated not too much later, but uh, yeah, turned tail, and there's a whole interesting story about that in his pedophilia and all that kind of stuff. But nevertheless, today, March 6th, 187 years ago, uh, the brave men at the Alamo fell. Oh, by the way, there's a lot of politically, not a lot, but some politically correct um, concepts. Hey, can you go ahead and skip the break? Around. Go ahead and finish up, Dr. Bradley. Well, yeah, and we ought to move on to our guest. I mean, she's made time for us, but yeah, there's politically correct analysis that goes on with this thing. You know what? If you're going to be put to the sword and you don't take advantage of an opportunity to walk out and not have that happen, that speaks something about your um, character, bravery, yeah, all those kind of that's things. That's for sure. And uh, I'm telling you, this uh, these things, we don't even think about them in America before, uh, nowadays. And 
So anyway, I thought, let's uh, bring them up. Let's just throw them out well, there. And, People can do their own research. And think about it. What if it was a loss, Dr. Bradley? What if they didn't stand up and or if they lost? Well, they in, in the world's eyes, they did lose. But they uh, kept 5,000, so. 4,000. No, I, I agree with you. But, but I mean, th- there's a there's a, a different scale people get weighed in. I mean, you know, we, we weigh scales in mortal view and eyes and everything like that. But these brave men that, that stood there, and they gave an opportunity for the rex, rest of the Texican army um, to to be able to gather and ultimately defeat Santa Ana. Uh, now, we, we had later problems because when the Santa Ana turned tail and ran back across south. So the, the point is we lost the skirmish. We won the war, though. Yeah, true story. And, and, and I just want people to understand that because I don't think it was a loss. It's kind of like, well, George Washington lost over and over and over, too, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he sure I, that did. That comparison but should run. not be lost on us, doctor. You know, and I I was in, you know, I've been to the Alamo quite a number of times. I mean, not as many as I might want. And they're doing some real interesting things right now. I just had some family members that were down there that told me about some of the adjustments they're making. But I was there on, on March 6th. You know, I mean, it's kind of like hallowed ground. I mean, Amen. this was I'm afraid the adjustments ago. they're making probably aren't going to be too flattering, though. Sad but true. Uh, you might be right. There may be some political correctness that there's in, enters into it, but there's a museum and so on they're doing. But it's a, uh, it's kind of you know if you if you've got something in your heart about liberty, I, I think you'll feel something there. But who knows? I mean, you know, a lot of that's been well. We're going to highlight it. We're going to focus on it. We're not going to let it go. We're going to remember it, and we're going to take heart for heroes that have gone before us, uh, and apply those same skills, that same fortitude, that same integrity as they did yesteryear. Speaking of that, our guest in a second, Chris Carlson was with me on Saturday, though, and we talked about the Ohio train derailment in detail. I call it reality check on the train wreck. If you want to check that out, you can do so. It's available at libertyroundtable.com or lovingliberty.net. We also talked to Peter Scoop Stanton, 75 Radio. We talked about the FBI's Washington field office confirmed that there may have been undercover officers and field agents yeah government fbi sources who were mixed with the patriots for january the 6th they admitted it now in court daily caller with the details and it turns out the bank of america worked with the fbi to literally turn in anybody who used a credit card or debit card around the, that time put their name at the top of the list if they bought a gun Yeah, no court order, no force. B of A, Bank of America just did that. We also talked about this whistleblower by the name of George Hill, a retired FBI supervisory intelligence analyst testified to all the details in the House Judiciary Committee that, hey, the Bank of America gave the FBI and and these groups the list of anybody who made these transactions. Yeah, it's a disgrace. We finally talked about it's a coin flip. 50% of murders in America now go unsolved. As cases rise, CBS News with that piece. Folks, we're spiraling down into a third world country. I hate to say it. We also uh, talked about Discover Financial Services now joins a coalition of companies that intend to track firearm and firearm-related purchases at gun uh, shows or anywhere else. They're going to use a certain code. When you buy a gun or anything related to firearms, with your credit card or debit card, they will use these international codes now to track your purchase. Yeah. Anyway, Sam, they're destroying let me, let me just everything we just hold say, dear when it comes to 
to uh, our gun rights, Doctor. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Third-party access to these things. It's fascism, people. That is what it is, front and center. It's a collaboration between government and private businesses. This is what was, you know, you say, oh, those fascists, those goose-stepping Nazis and, you know, whatever, Mussolini and, and Hitler and those guys. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the way it is. In fascism, it's a public-private collaboration. That's what it is. Government. Enforced no, partnership. You, yeah, well, maybe not even forced. Some of these guys are, you know, they're collaborators because they want to be. They're, they're Vici or... Or, uh, or they're collaborators because they're afraid they'll be shut down and ran out of business if they don't. But yeah. It could be. Could be. I mean, uh, so anyway, Vici and, and uh, uh, what was his name in, uh, in Norway? I said it, Quisling. Well, these guys collaborated with the Nazis when they came into town. Okay, so what happens is, is these guys, these businesses are collaborating with the, with the tyrants in the United States at this point. And it's just like, just like what was arranged with the NSA and their collection of all metadata on communications that uh, the people have, your email, your texts, your voice uh, messages, your everything. conversations, everything. The NSA gets it. Oh, no, no, no. They said, we're not going to collect it anymore. Oh, Mike Lee, Utah Senator, saved us from that. They're not going to collect it. No, he didn't. The bill said they get it from third parties. So these private industry people collect this data on every single communication you do and provide it to the NSA to put in their big computers and build a dossier on you. This collaboration is fascist to the core. It's a public-private well, destruction. Well, it's criminal and it's treasonous is what it really is. Well, it's destroying everything Americanist. And, and uh, people, private, listen to this. I, people need to understand, free societies do not build dossiers on their citizens. And that's exactly what is being done right now. Uh, you know what? If you hear of somebody that's doing that, I would. this is my personal opinion. This is what I would do. I wouldn't do business with them anymore. I mean, I think I'd vote with my dollars and my feet. And I would, I would walk out. And, and, you know, a lot of people have done that at Disney. I think that they're I think that yep, they're We need more of it, that's for sure. We've yeah, got to stand anyway. up. But you know what? As society continues to melt down, our guest becomes so critical to understand, folks. Our guest is Marjorie Wildcraft, and she's founder and CEO of the Grow Network. You say, what's that? It's the largest online community of homesteaders. It really will be the gardeners who survive, folks. TheGrowNetwork.com. Marjorie has made it her lifelong mission to teach people how to grow their own food. Never has it been more important than it is now. Marjorie, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Hey Sam, thanks for having me on. Yeah, nice Scott. And you're you're absolutely right. you're you're not going to make it through this decade if you're not growing your own food. And as as you've been pointing out, um, we're at war. We're at war, folks. And uh, my my job, uh, I very much appreciate everything you're talking about. My job has always been to handle the home front. Like what what do the women and children do? You know, how do you feed people? How do you take make medicine? How do you take care of your your elders or your children? And, Ian, that's a lot of what the Grow Network is about. And gardening is trans, uh, transforming itself from basically a hobby in the past to really a life-saving skill. It reminds me of what what do they call those things, victory gardens, Marjorie? Yeah. You know, we're actually a lot more people think of us as gardening. But, honestly, small livestock is going to produce you way more calories and less time. So chickens and rabbits and goats and sheep and wherever 
you know, quail, whatever it is that you can fit into your spot. But, um, yeah, you know, for example, the, the train wreck, um, Pennsylvania and New York are three, are two of the top five food distribution centers in the United States. Uh, you know, several thousand food packing and distribution. Like, would you trust any food coming out of there right now uh, for the next couple of decades at least? You know, well, you wouldn't, I but I don't know what else you do because you don't even know where it's coming from nowadays. That's true, you know, right? But if you look on the bottom of a can or whatever bag, it's like, packed in Ohio or whatever, you're like, oh, my God, no, you, you can take that back. <laughs> so, yeah, no, growing your own food has been essential for a long time because the commercial food supply, quite frankly, is either toxic or uh, has the void of nutrients. Uh, and, and now they're talking it. about distributing food with vaccines as part of the food, Marjorie. That's right. Yeah, they're talking about injecting them into animals. And I, there was stuff on the Internet a while ago where, where Bill Gates, of course, was trying to breed types of uh, greens that had the vaccine in it. I'm like, I don't even know if that's real or not, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't and nothing would. I, I'm, I'm, no, it's, I'm it's real. Religion. They're working on it for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, Marjorie Wildcraft teaches people how to grow lots of food in a, quote, grid down situation, ladies and gentlemen. Even if they have no experience, even if they're older, out of shape, none of that really matters. She can teach and get it done regardless, folks. Uh, we got to ask questions, though. How much land does it take? Where is the best bug out locations in the United States? Where's the best place to be? Now, Joel Skousen wrote a book about that. He sure um, did, yeah. Uh, and it, it's a great book. But uh, let's start there. How much land does it take, and where's the best places to go in your mind? Well, you know, uh, I created a very simple system, three-component system uh, with gardens, chickens, and rabbits that can produce half of your caloric intake uh, in, in a very, very small, like the size of three parking spots. So if you're living in a suburban area and you've got a backyard, you can produce a, an amazing amount of food in that. So you don't really need a lot of space. It is wonderful to have more acres because then you can have larger grazing animals and things like that. But honestly, you don't need a lot of space. And then I always get the question of what do we do in apartments? And there's a lot of things to do in apartments. Um, yeah, at that, it's at, at that link, backyardfoodproduction.com, I have that webinar where I show people that three-part system where you can get started. And I've always had a focus on, on, on grid down because honestly – People usually aren't going to come to this unless they're under some sort of duress. And I, I think you've been reporting on the absolute degradation of our grid and, and power systems and the, and the fuel supply. I mean, we're, we're headed into, you know, a grid down situation on a more consistent basis. <laughs> we're, we, we've had a luxury of never having the grid down very much, and that's, a, that's changing big time. So, yeah, and I take people I've, – I've always known, you know, I take people who know nothing – uh, and they just want to get started. And regardless of the season or where you live, we're, we're a global organization, actually. So um, if you're in the south, in the north, anywhere in between, I can show you how to get started. Now, the, the, best, the best places to head out, right, if you're looking to buy property, that's actually almost a whole show or two on itself, but I can go over the thumbnail thing. There's a general guideline of you, a, a, a tank of cast is about 600 miles, and you want to try and be 600 miles away from a major metropolitan area. There are some exceptions to that, like if you have a big mountain range between you and that big city uh, with, with easy ways to defend it, like only one or two roads that come in. 
<laughs> in almost every little small prepper town I've ever been at, I guarantee you the men there have explosives and they know exactly what, what they're going to do when the time comes. So uh, chances are if you found a good place, there's already a good prepper community there. Um, a lot of the East Coast is off limits because of all the nuclear power plants that are there and sitting beside rivers and waterways that would become unbelievably polluted and contaminated. All right, Marjorie Wildcraft with us, ladies and gentlemen. Backyardfoodproduction.com. That's one place. Thegrownetwork.com, another place. There's a free webinar and more to help you get started. This is critical. Gardening used to be a hobby. Now it's a life-saving skill. Dr. Bradley, Sam Bushman, Marjorie Wildcraft on your radio. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. Fires broke out at the site of a planned public safety training center near Atlanta, Georgia, after a protest led to clashes between police and protesters yesterday. The Atlanta Police Department said 35 people had been detained after violent agitators used the cover of a peaceful protest to conduct a coordinated attack on construction equipment and police officers. Investors will be listening closely to Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell when he testifies on Capitol Hill this week. Powell will testify tomorrow before the Senate Banking Committee, then return Thursday for the House Financial Services Panel. The Fed chair routinely briefs lawmakers twice a year. Look for key several financial reports, including factory orders today, trade balance and job openings tomorrow, jobless claims on Thursday, then Friday the February unemployment rate. January's rate was 3.4 percent, the lowest since 1969, a number for which President Biden was quick to take credit. I'm Richard Johnson. New York Democrat Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has killed more jobs in the Empire State than she has created. When she first joined Congress, she blocked Amazon from doing business in New York. According to Job Creators Network, AOC lost 25,000 jobs for New York City. That equaled $4 billion in lost wages and $12 billion of lost economic activity. Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary on CNN. I don't put companies here in New York anymore or in Massachusetts or in New Jersey or in California. Those states are uninvestable. The policy here is insane. The taxes are too high. Uninvestable. She's great at killing jobs. She kills jobs by the thousands. AOC says when she opposed the Amazon project, it was because of a scam of public funds and claims she was right in doing so. Thanks for listening. This is USA News. What do you mean he went searching for fresher powder? We have full classes today. Instructor down at Vesper Ski School. Toward each other to snowplow, honey, not away. She needs more ski instructors to slalom through the day-to-day. Pizza, fries. Whoa, Braley, no, pizza, pizza. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and I have a question for you. You know that unwelcome guest everyone wishes would just leave already? That's COVID-19. That's why I got an updated booster designed to help protect against recent Omicron variants. Got it? Check eligibility and schedule your updated COVID booster at vaccines.gov. 
sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. This is the bottom line. Even the Christian news services, ladies and gentlemen, are funded by Big Pharma. You heard the last commercial on the break there. Shame on them. What do you do about it? Everybody tells me, Sam, you got to fix that. Nobody has a solution for me, though. Everybody loves to gripe and complain without solutions. Isn't that America today? Wow. Dr. Scott Bradley with me. Marjorie Wildcraft with me. We're talking about growing food. It's essential. We're talking about where do you need to be, ladies and gentlemen. How much land does it take? Where's the best bug out place and more? Marjorie, you were mentioning where the best bug out places are. You're saying, hey, the East Coast is pretty much out because of the um, uh, nuclear uh, uh, substations and such like that. Uh, Where's the best place to go? Yeah. Also, just because your commercial, you were talking about the business. Oh, my God. Most of those eastern states businesses, terrible to to be there. A lot of the western states, um, uh, west of the Mississippi, uh, Arkansas and some of that area, Tennessee, is also still valid. Uh, There are parts of Texas that are good, Uh, definitely Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, Arizona, most of those areas. The key thing in all the western states is you absolutely have to make sure you have several sources of water. And I've grown food in all kinds of places all over the planet. And I will say growing food in the desert is actually one of the more easier places if you have good, consistent, reliable water. And that's because there's less insect pressure and less weed pressure in, in a desert region. Don't, you don't necessarily have to move to a desert, but I just don't want you to be afraid of it. But absolutely, you have to have water. I would say the other most important thing is find a community. Uh, people often think of just, well, I'm going to get the land or I want to you know, get, 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 get out of town or whatever. It, it, the community of people are going to be what help you survive through this whole thing. You can't grow food on your own realistically for long. It, it does take a community of people. And uh, one of my favorite things is to look at these small towns. Uh, by the way, I think a small town on the range of 1,500 to 15,000 population is a good viable size. You don't want any smaller and you don't want any larger. Uh, but look at the kind of festivals and events that they hold there, you know, are you know, are they are they having uh, festivals around celebration of the of the harvest or, of, you know, apples or something, you know, is it something about production that they're doing locally or is their festival all about, um, you know, a drag queen show or something, which would be ridiculous. But, you know, what I mean, try to find a community and look at their, you know, look at. Their yeah. And to your point about Tennessee, by the way, Bill Lee, find the first signed the first of its kind bill into law banning drag shows and other adult shows for children. It's a start to make your point. He's the only one in the country doing it. Yeah. So there's, there's uh, you know, uh, uh, definitely this is a conversation we could spend a lot more time on. Uh, finding a, a small community uh, absolutely is going to, during the, I did a lot of reading of journals and historical of the Civil War in the United States here, not necessarily the battles, you know, that wasn't really what I was interested in. It was like how, you know, the families and, and what communities and how did they do and the women and the children. And some of the small towns that had a lot of self-reliance before the war that were sort of tucked off the way, they were the ones that did the best throughout the entire war. They, they really were able to get through it without a whole lot affecting them, whereas, you know, of course, uh, you know, it, was, it was horrible in a lot of other situations. So, Dr. Bradley, uh, you're an expert in your own right regarding this. Well, I don't know. I, 
an expert is an X under pressure, I th I've always heard. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, boy, there's so much. I mean, Marjorie's right. I mean, this is a uh, an absolutely, uh, there's a plethora of issues that need to be discussed. I mean, I, as I think, I'll just throw a few things out. I don't know that if any time wants to, anybody wants to go into depth on them, but every single time there's been a cataclysmic upheaval where society has been changed in modern history, it's always been, uh, there, there's been a famine associated with it. I mean, whether it's the French Revolution or the Bolshevik Revolution, Pol Pot's thing, uh, Chairman Mao's thing, all of those kind of things, they're contrived famines. And I think Marjorie's right. This We're being set up for this. I think about my mom uh, back in the Depression. Uh, they had a little, you know, uh, farm, you'd call it. I mean, uh, five or ten acres. I don't remember. They had pigs and chickens and, and a cow, and they had uh, a grocery garden and all that kind of stuff. Mom said they never, never, they didn't think they were poor. One year they had a total of $50 to get them through the year. And every, uh, you know, every Sunday your dad went out to chicken coop, killed a couple of chickens, and her mom went down in the uh, root cellar, and they had a feast every every Sunday. Think about EMPs for a minute, electromagnetic pulses, and what that would do on some of these large metro areas. I think about water. Uh, Utah's legislature just closed down from the annual session. And they have made a huge water grab this year. They're claiming the right to, under emergency conditions, who's the emergency decider? The governor. Governor gets to seize control of water. And I, I have water rights on my ground. But he can say, oh, no, 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 we need that to go into the Great Salt Lake. And it's probably for lithium mining. But they can shut these things down. I think about uh, something, uh, someone that I knew years ago who's dead now that talked about uh, the situation after Nazi Germany shut down, how the people in the country, the farmers, everybody would, would leave town every morning to go out and try and trade whatever knickknacks they had for, uh, for food. And he says, you know, it's kind of, you know, starving of farmers almost like trying to drown a fish. I mean, you know, these kinds of things need to be talked about. And, oh, one other thing. I remember uh, one time our family was leaving the East Coast. Uh, the Garden State, New Jersey, was, oh, holy cow. We bought a bag of vegetables to eat while we were driving, you know, carrots and celery and stuff like that. And as we were leaving town, I noticed as I was nibbling on those things, my lips and my tongue went numb. I think that they had been uh, somehow polluted by some kind of, you know, I don't know, purposely or whatever, but they, they had stuff, chemicals on them. So you got to be sensitive to that kind of stuff. And all of these disasters, all of them, <laughs> we could talk about each one of those individually, I'm, I'm sure, for the next several days. But Marjorie, anything to say about those things I've yep. kind of thrown out on the table? Uh, absolutely. We're in it right now. So I think everybody has noticed that the price of eggs has been obvious. And even the U.S. government is reporting it correctly. Isn't that amazing? You know, 244% the price of eggs increased in 2022, right? Most of the numbers the government is putting out is like really fictitious work. But, uh, uh, you know, meat, milk, vegetables, everything is going up in price. And that is a trend that is only going to continue and accelerate. And we have several reasons for that. One, of course, is the, uh, you know, the, the money printing is just going on endlessly. What, $4 trillion deficit last year and $3 trillion the year before that? that that's just going to cause inflation and hyperinflation. Another thing people don't pay attention to, because our grocery stores have always pretty much had stuff in it, is that the global food production has been uh, 
way down, and a lot would say intentionally through weather manipulation, but there's drought or flooding or whatever going on. The southern hemisphere crops this year are not going to come in the way they expect. Uh, about a year ago, January, there was a volcano, uh, and I'm not going to probably get this name right, but Tumba Kumba, which blew up and in one day pumped so much water into the atmosphere that the, the global atmosphere now has 10% more water in it. And one of the things that did is up at the stratomesosphere, um, there are tiny ice crystals that are damaging the ozone layer, and the ozone hole is opening up again uh, along. And so the crops in the southern hemisphere, which, which grow in the winter that we depend on, uh, their summertime, uh, are, are particularly, like, you know, barley, corn, soy, are particularly sensitive to UVB radiation, which comes in when the ozone is open. So we have a physical damage happening there. But there's all other kinds of, of damage, and I'm sure you've reported on the fate of uh, burning or destruction of different food processing plants. Uh, we've been in drought for years and years and years in the West there, and crop production way down. The war in Ukraine with Russia, uh, Ukraine used to be a huge bread, bread basket for, for a lot of the world, actually, and Russia was a big supplier of fertilizer. Now, Russia, <laughs> Ukraine is, you know, I would doubt, I would guess maybe 15% of their land is going to be farmed this year. But you, you don't go farming when you're, you know, when you've got big blown up holes and you're worried about artillery or whatever, you know. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're not going to be producing anything. And, and Russia, of course, are they going to be sending out any fertilizers to anybody? Probably not. All, all across the world and more and more countries are putting out export bans. They're like, hey, we got to feed our people. We're not going to be selling these grains or these pigs or this palm oil to you. So it, it is shutting down. And uh, we are in a time where it, we're in, in uh, rapid, rapid acceleration. I believe, and I'm, I'm looking for more substantial data on this, but I believe that we will start to see the food riots here in the United States in the summer. We'll, we'll see the panic buying, you know, in about May or June when people really figure this out. One small antidote, I was in Home Depot the other day, I got a new tool, an angle grinder, which I'd never had before. Oh, my God, what an awesome tool, right? And I didn't know what head I needed for it. So I'm waiting for the Home Depot guy. And while I was there, two other guys come up, and one goes, hey, here's what you need, and he gives them one disc. And the guy goes, let me grab that 10-pack. He said, these prices aren't ever going to go down. So I mean, it's happening. Everybody's starting to, to do some level of, of, of stockpiling, and pretty soon with food, that is, it, people are going, it's, there's a larger and larger wake-up call going on across uh, America and, and the world. And, and I think Americans are waking up that we, we are at war. We're, we're at war. Like, just because, you, back in the Revolutionary War days, it was great because they wore a red coat and you knew who to shoot. <laughs> you know, this war is entirely different. It, it actually doesn't really have a whole lot to do with weapons. It's more with the media in your mind and what do you believe and who do you hear right so marjorie uh, wildcraft with us ladies and gentlemen she's founder and ceo of the grow network the largest online community of homesteaders it really will be the gardeners folks who survive the grownetwork.com it's your life mission to teach people how to grow food folks believe it or not you can grow lots of food in a grid down situation even if you have no experience even if you're older even if you're out of shape Backyardfoodproduction.com is where you can learn more about that. Uh, and Marjorie has put together 
a free webinar to help you kind of get your arms around this thing. And if you want to learn more, she's got an incredible training package. Uh, Mike Adams, who runs one of the networks that syndicates my show, he's nicknamed the Health Ranger, uh, is uh, promoting this series because it's so good. And so I want you to go uh, to uh, Mike Adams' site to learn more and get this book training package, etc. I don't want to compete with Mike on it. I want to just help drive traffic to what he's doing here. But, folks, we have the opportunity right now to educate ourselves and to potentially save the lives of our families, our communities. Famine is not a joke, folks. We have got to take this seriously. Dr. Bradley, it's not an if discussion. It's a when discussion, is it not? Oh, I, th- I think absolutely. Like I say, every cataclysmic societal change in the last 250, 300 years at least has always been associated with some kind of food deal. Hamilton in uh, the Federalist Papers twice actually says a power over a man's subsistence is a power over the man. And uh, and so we need to recognize that the people that are trying to do bad things to us, the gates from hell and those other people that you've talked about, um, they, they're, they're doing their darndest to, to disrupt the things that our society's always been founded on. Marjorie, I'm, I don't know how much expertise you have, and maybe I'm opening a, a can of worms here that needs a lot more time. But, uh, you know, I see, I, I don't have a greenhouse personally. I'm planning on having a couple in the near future. Uh, how's that for announcing on, on, on uh, nationwide radio? Anyway, you know, you see the ones that are got the, you know, the glass kind of things, the plexiglass look, the, the visqueen look and the, the tunnels, you know, with the, the uh, PVC pipe or, or a, a rigid frame. I mean, we've got a lot of snowfall. I don't know what you heard about what we're doing in our neck of the woods here, but we've got so much snow that we do have to have some ability to bear weight of that. But tell me what you're recommending for people in regards to greenhouse. And, and if you have a greenhouse, does that really magnify your capability of growing or are they too much trouble to work with oh my gosh you know a greenhouse is required for almost everybody believe it or not i was in costa rica for a while and they had greenhouses to keep the rain off because they had so much rain so there's there's a lot of reasons for greenhouses and i'll send you over to the living farm with lynn gillespie she's a good friend of mine for when i lived in colorado she has six different greenhouses that she grows in, all different kinds, experimenting with different ways to heat them. And she definitely is very familiar with snow load, uh, what types of materials, all the different, like the poly, polypurethane that you're talking about, as well as just the, the, uh, the plastics. The, the one thing about the glass greenhouses tend to get way, way, way hot, and then they're also susceptible to um, you know, hail damage. Again, one of the consequences of so much water vapor being in the atmosphere from that volcanic eruption is we're likely to see a lot more freak hailstorms this summer, uh, in, uh, spring and summer. Another thing is we may have another year like in 1816 as a year without a summer. Uh, and yeah. again, I'm working with David Dubine on this with ADAPT 2030. He also has a Brighton channel. Uh, and that would be absolutely uh, horrific. I mean, people who don't have at least a couple of years with a food supply are not going to make it through that for sure. Yeah, the uh, mini mice, but, ice age. Yeah, in the yes, 18, mini ice age. Yeah, have him yeah. come on and talk about that. The, the consequences. Yeah, I used of to that, interview that a guy that had a book called "Not by Fire but by Ice" years ago. Ah, uh huh. So, Marjorie, give us that location in in uh, Colorado that the woman has some great greenhouse stuff. Because really, I. Uh, this is a, a big gap in my knowledge right now. I'm, yeah, you know, what's her name again? 
Lynn, Lynn Gillespie, L-Y-N-N Gillespie, and her, I believe her channel or her, her website is The Living Farm, and it's in Paonia, Colorado, P-A-O-N-I-A, Colorado. And I have to say, um, gosh, I almost hate to, hate to blow this, but Paonia, Colorado is one of the best prepper locations in the U.S. It's I a livingfarm.org, is that right? That sounds right, yep. yep. No, thelivingfarm.org. Colorado has yeah. got a screwed up political system, though. I mean, well, I don't want to, you know, all of these. Yeah, no, they do. They absolutely do. <laughs> east of east of the east of the Rockies, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but Bobert's uh, there, you know, and so she's. I mean, there they wear guns yeah. in her her restaurant. I mean, you That's know. right. In Grand in Grand Junction, you know, people are walking around with open carry, and and the mayor is too, you know. So, Colorado is a very divided state between the, the eastern and the western so the western side is very freedom oriented uh, yeah most small towns in general i think have a lot more of a place the independent streets than than the major metropolitan areas so to go back yeah, to the, gillespie, when, the gillespie, gillespie family is, basically just so everybody yeah. knows the gillespie family <clears throat> bought a 130 acre farm near the base of this mountain in colorado and they've raised sheep, pigs, chickens, cows, hays, silage, grain. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's also raised four generations of Gillespie's, they say. Incredible. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've been to family events there. And actually, my company buys wool from Lynn to make, uh, we make a thing called a, a kidney wrap and then soul inserts and different things. Uh, and when I lived there, I was definitely on, on Lynn's uh, CSA. Lynn and I did a whole uh, 33 episode. Uh, gardening in Colorado thing called um, highperformancegardening.com where there's a series of 33. It's free. It's all free. If you want, if you live in, in a northern temperate zone and you want to see starting from where there's like grass on the ground, how we did that, built a couple of raised beds, grew this, these amazing amounts of vegetables, harvested it. We, we did the whole thing over a 33. <laughs> Lynn and I are joking around the whole time. Uh, that's at highperformancegardening.com. It, it's a free, it's a free series. And Lynn is awesome, just super, super knowledge. Tom, her husband, and her, her, her boys, uh, incredible. Like, they, they will not notice much happening in the world. <laughs> they are totally self-reliant pretty much there. So really good folks. But they have totally have it dialed in on greenhouses. Um, and Lynn used to do greenhouse workshops. Uh, you know, the whole COVID experience sort of screwed some things up. I, I think she's back at it again, but definitely talk to Lynn. She's, she's the best resource for that. Excellent. Does she also do the High Performance Garden Show? Yes, she yeah, does. Yeah, that's on there, and, uh, I think, on her site. Yeah. I'm just looking yep. at it. Yep. Yep. If you want to skip ahead, not have to wait through the whole summer to see that, you can go to over highperformancegardening.com and see the whole, you can binge watch. <laughs> she also does, does the Abundance Garden Course. Yeah. Yeah, she's um, got a lot of stuff going on. Just incredible stuff. Uh, you know, the problem is that the learning curve for this is so massive, it feels like, Marjorie. Well, that's that's why I have taken things and really distilled it down into simple step by step what you what you need to do. And I love Lynn and the gardening component. She and I are in complete agreement on the best gardening method for beginners and how to do it. Um, with the Grow Network, what I also offer uh, is that you know really chickens, rabbits, ducks, you know other livestock. I can give you one example. From a garden, if you've got like one or two growing seasons, you'll be able to get about 30 to 60,000 calories a year out of that. Uh, if you have a backyard flock of just six laying hens, 
you'll get about 94,000 calories out of that. They'll, they'll produce about 1,500 eggs for you, which, by the way, is three egg omelets every day for breakfast and 33 dozen eggs you can give away to friends. And a home rabbitry, which would be one buck and three breeding does, that's going to be about 234,000 calories, and that would be the equivalent of about 75 rabbits. And you think of a rabbit as, as very similar to a chicken in terms of meat and even the way you cook it. All your chicken recipes can be completely replaced with, with rabbits. So livestock, small livestock, uh, by far is more calorically dense, actually easier to produce, in my, my humble opinion, um, uh, than the garden. But you got to have all of them. we, we got to have diversity. What, what we're heading into is such a crazy time period. You really need to have a diversity. But starting out with those three, which is what I go over in more detail into the webinar, um, that'll get you such a firm base because you'll be producing about half of your own food. And then after that, there's the whole world, you know, the bees for honey and mushrooms and, you know, uh, goats and sheep and uh, home medicine and making medicine and, there, and, that, and that's why the, the complicatedness of this uh, and how difficult it is is why <laughs> ladies and gentlemen marjorie's saying it takes a a community of people because look i can't learn to do bees and do honey learn to do the greenhouse learn to do everything I, can, I can't have everything i can get a start i can learn i can eventually specialize in something and then i can partner with my community to where you know what i'm going to trade you beef for honey or i'm going to trade you honey for candles or whatever the case may be that's why the community right marjorie exactly yeah totally one example is when i was living in red rock texas uh did a lot of homesteading there. that's where i homeschooled my kids and, and did a lot of homeschool homesteading there uh it was just myself initially and uh we were raising you know we were, i was doing the gardens and the rabbits and the chickens and uh, we also had uh some beef cows um and we met one other family and they were doing of course gardens and, and chickens uh, but they had goats, and they were making cheese from that, as well as goat meat, and then he had bees and had honey. And so just with one other family, our culinary sustainability magnified, because now I had what I originally had, but I could trade him for cheese and goat meat and, and honey, right? And he was now getting access to rabbit and beef and other, you know, so just one other family that's doing this that's near you, it, it, it really magnifies what's available to you. So, uh, you know, I really think even if you just have a cluster of five families, that's a good viable, that's a, the beginnings of a good viable, you know, cell, a group of, of people. That, that It is, but a larger to... community of like-minded folks, though, you can't really just create organically. Too many people, for too many reasons, can't move, can't, uh, you know, go where you want them to go, do what you want them to do. And so you've got to, as Marjorie says, find out what do they do with their holidays? What do they do with their time and their off time? What do they do when there's no tourism or what, you know, do you have a tourism community or do you have a farming community? What are you looking at? And it's really under important to understand that. By the way, if you go to the living farm site, they have what's called the greenhouse workshop uh, on there as well that you can check out, Dr. Bradley. It's in my show notes. Uh, doctor, we never have enough time for any of the topics we cover, uh, but what else do you want to finish up with Marjorie regarding? Well, just, just please, if you will, Sam, in your show notes, put her contact information in terms of her websites, her programs. Oh, yeah, she's it's all done. So that, yeah. Okay, so we, yeah. we'll we be able to go there and kind of do the links and stuff like and that. And what we'll do is we'll plan a Friday soon over the next couple of weeks, and we'll do two hours, and we'll have Marjorie with us. How's that? That'll work that for me. That sounds great. Yeah, let's do that. I really want to stress the urgency. Uh, you know, first of all, 
go out and buy some backup food. It's still really cheap right now. You can still go to Costco and buy 50-pound bags of this, that, and the other. They will shut that down, and they have done it already quite a few times just in the last decade of saying, no, you're only limited to buying this and that. But really, this summer, all hell is going to break loose on this planet, and the fundamental reason will be because of a lack of food. Uh, and you know, the I, other yeah. Go ahead, Marjorie. I, uh, I'm just going to reinforce what you're saying, but go ahead. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, I mean, absolutely get as much backup food as possible, but really – the sooner you get started on, on producing your own food, and even if you're not producing the food, go to the webinar to say, oh, my God, let's see, I'm going to need these, you know, I'm going to need this kind of fencing or these kind of materials to build these cages or to build this thing. That's stuff to stock up on, too, even if you're not necessarily going to do it today or tomorrow, because all of those supplies are going to go also. I, I'm serious. We, we really are. This summer, we're headed into uh, uh, the panic buying will begin, and you don't want to get caught in that frenzy. You want to have beaten it. You know, it's interesting. I've been saying for decades, literally, that they're getting us ready for a Soviet-style economy. And uh, you you see this on grocery store shelves. I mean, there's more and more empty spaces. I mean, whether it's a Walmart or a Costco or a Sam's or whatever, usually, uh, you know, not to, uh, to focus on only one, but certainly the mom-and-pop grocery stores, uh, I've got a daughter that lives in a rural community, and, and they, you know they got their own chickens and everything like that. And but anyway, they got a little grocery store uh, that's oh not uh, just fairly close in their community. Eggs went to twenty eight dollars a dozen. And, twenty eight dollars! Uh, oh my gosh! Wow! And and so I mean it was one of those things. These little mom and pop grocery stores were having trouble getting them. Sure, you could go. Uh, we'd go to some place like a natural grocers or something. We were limited to. Two dozen eggs, if they could get them, and their shelves were basically empty. And so, you know, they're coming back somewhat. All of this nonsense about avian flu and everything like that is kind of playing out a little bit. But the prices have doubled, you know. So, you know, it's it's just they're getting us ready for a Soviet-style economy. And uh, it's coming, folks. And uh, get ready. All right. Let me give you a couple of websites. Thelivingfarm.com for greenhouse information and more. TheGrowNetwork.com is Marjorie's website. TheGrowNetwork.com, ladies and gentlemen. BackyardFoodProduction.com is where you can check out more. Incredible free webinar available. Check that out. And then there's a couple of hundred dollar book and training series to help you. It's pennies, folks. But it can get you an incredible jump start on what you need to do to prepare for what is coming. Famines are no joke, folks. They're real. Thanks, Marjorie. We'll have Marjorie back and talk in depth coming up in a couple of weeks. Be ready for it. God save the Republic. the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for March 6th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is our two of two and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, 
to do so on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America with all of its checks and balances to preserve the nation, to restore the republic. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. A couple of quick housekeeping things that you got to know about, and then our guest. First, help us destroy the ATF's unconstitutional gun registry. That's Eric Pratt, Gun Owners of America, telling us that. Listen carefully to this. Representative Michael Cloud, he has reintroduced a No Registry Rights Act, H.R. 1271, which would eliminate the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms illegal gun registry, ladies and gentlemen. Back in 2021, Gun Owners of America, by the way, uncovered internal ATF documents that the Biden-Harris administration secretly established an illegal gun registry of gun owner records, ladies and gentlemen. Did you know that? The legislation, by the way, would require that the ATF to destroy all the, quote, purchase records they have in their databases under the penalty of law. The ATF has no business maintaining these records in a, quote, digital, searchable database that could easily be weaponized against gun owners. Okay? Beware of that reality. We've got to stand against this, folks. The Biden administration has gone criminal, has gone rogue, and is violating all of our rights. Lowell, before we get to the topics at hand, uh, do you want to speak out on that a little bit? Um, it's pretty typical, I guess, of most administrations to do this thing. They, uh, you know, I mean, uh, unfortunately, that's, that's just what they do, uh, particularly the Democrat Party, the left. The left wants to disarm everybody, thinking that's going to, um, you know, make things safer for everybody without realizing that, you know, criminals, they don't, they don't follow the laws anyway. They don't obey the law. So if you, if you create a law uh, saying you can't have, you know, law-abiding citizens can, cannot have, have weapons, then you're basically removing them from the hands of good, good people and uh, allowing bad people to retain the weapons. And so you actually, it, it brings on a more lawless state, uh, more chaos, more criminality, more lives lost, more lives damaged and hurt um, by this this tactic. So, uh, yeah, we need to push back hard against this and make sure that, uh, you know, a, a well-armed citizenry is a polite citizenry, and we need to keep it that way, Sam. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. It's critical to understand. Uh, I wanted to highlight that. We mentioned that on Saturday in detail, but I wanted to highlight it again. Folks, we have got to stand up against this stuff. They do it in secret. We find out years later about it. It is of great, great concern. Last hour, by the way, we had on Marjorie Wildcraft. She is a founder and CEO of what's called the Grow Network, helping people learn to grow food. There's going to be a famine. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You can learn more at thegrownetwork.com, backyardfoodproduction.com. And then we talked about this greenhouse opportunity as well thelivingfarm.org. Check out that hour, by the way, incredible hour, uh, as we remember the Alamo and as we remember the Dred Scott shameful decision as well last hour. But this hour, we got Lowell Nelson with us, campaignforliberty.org, and we've got an incredible column 
uh, written by Seymour Hirsch, highlighting what we did. We pretend we didn't do it, but how America took out the Nord Stream pipelines. Lowell? This is a, a, a blockbuster column, Sam. Last September, um, the, and, and the reason I want to cover this, Sam, is, is primarily just to, to help us understand that we have some pretty evil people you know, running things uh, here in this country. And, and so just, just retelling this story helps us understand that, just drives home the point. And, and why is that important? Well, it's important to know because uh, we need to um, be, a, we need to elect wise, honest, and good men and women to office at all levels of government. If we will do that, if, if good and righteous people will stand up and, and, and do that, then we can change the fabric of our leadership, you know, so-called leadership in this country, and, and we, can, we can then sue for peace instead of war. I mean, we're inching our way toward a world war here, and this is just one more step in that direction, so that's why I wanted to cover this. But, um, you know, last September, the, the natural gas pipelines uh, connecting Russia and Germany called Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2, they were sabotaged. Now, at the time, no one knew who had sabotaged the pipelines or why, although there was plenty of speculation about it. The Nord Stream 1 pipeline had been in service for about 10 years, a little bit over a decade at that time. The Nord Stream 2 pipeline was just about ready to be put into service. And um, now, now these these pipelines, each pipeline is actually two. There's a pair of pipes that, uh, that run from northwestern Russia to northeast Germany. And they do so, they run under the Baltic Sea uh, the, it, at 750 miles. I mean, this is no small feat. It takes years to build this pipeline. It took years to build the Nord Stream 1. And it took years to build Nord Stream 2, but they accomplished it. These, these pipelines run side by side for 750 miles underneath the ocean. I mean, it's incredible the engineering feat it took to build these pipelines. I mean, you think about the distance between Salt Lake City and Phoenix, Arizona, for example. That's about 700 miles. And these pipelines run underwater for, even, for, for at least that distance. Right. I mean, I'm not as not as the crow flies, but they, you know, uh, if you follow this road from Salt Lake to Phoenix, it's a long way, 750 miles. Now, and, and it does so on the floor of the Baltic Sea. Um, and from, like I said, again, northeast Russia, just just right near the border of Estonia, it passes under, you know, under the Baltic Sea, really close to the Danish island of Bornholm, and then and ends in in northern Germany. And this Nord Stream 1 has been uh, a source of natural gas for Germany and for much of Western Europe. Uh, it's, you know, you call it cheap Russian natural gas. Well, it's, in, it's simply inexpensive Russian natural gas um, that, that Russia has been making available, has been selling to Germany. And Germany has benefited from that because they've been able to to uh, heat their homes and power their factories and so forth is this inexpensive energy. Um, and in doing so, of course, that's the strengthened Russia, right? I mean, you sell something of value, you get something of value in return. 
And so whether it's been denominated in euros or rubles, I don't know, probably rubles. But anyway, they got the money by selling natural gas to Germany, and that strengthened uh, Putin. And Germany benefited, and all of Western Europe benefited from this inexpensive energy. Well, the U.S. administration did not like this arrangement. They didn't, they didn't want Russia getting strong by selling their natural resources to Germany and to Western Europe. And they also did not want Germany and Western Europe to become dependent upon this inexpensive energy because that diminished their need to rely on the U.S for energy. And so, I, I mean, if you look at this, it's sort of like, uh, you know, a bully, uh, U.S. is a bully, and they don't like something that uh, some other country is doing, and so then they they uh, they blow up the pipeline in order to, to kill that, uh, that, 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 the benefit that's going to Russia in terms of money and the benefit that's going to Germany in terms of natural gas. And, and to make matters worse, Sam... And let me just stop you there for a quick second, yeah. Lowell, and say this. That's a flat-out act of war, sir. Absolutely right. It is an absolute uh, flat-out act of war. And I'm surprised that Russia has not retaliated um, already. But the thing that's also puzzling, Sam, is that the Chancellor of Germany um, went right along with it. <clears throat> you know, Germany went along with this. And, and other NATO countries went along with this. In fact, Norway is the country that helped Russia, uh, helped uh, the United States do this the most. Yeah, you know what now, it reminds me of? It reminds me of how we took the hit in World War II fully knowing that it was going to happen as well in an effort to get us into a war. It's very similar, sir. Yeah, it is. I mean, you look at the... Um, you, you look at the hit we took in 9-11, for example, that uh, basically a false flag... Uh, uh, a false flag event that uh, that got Americans into the war in the Middle East to, to fight, you know, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and, and elsewhere in the Middle East. Uh, you mentioned the Pearl Harbor. That's what got us in World War II. Well, this could have been the, the, the trigger that got us involved in the Third World War. And we're, we're, we're getting very close to that, unfortunately. Well, so um, it turns out that the, the Biden authorized a fellow named Jake Sullivan to pull together a team to come up with a plan to kill the pipeline. So in December of 2021, which was about two months before the first Russian tanks rolled into Ukraine, Jake Sullivan, he convened a meeting of his newly formed team. These are men and women from the Joint Chiefs of Staff, men and women from the CIA, from the State Department, from Treasury Department. Yeah. It's always funny, Sam, how they get people from the Treasury Department involved in war planning. Hang tight, <laughs> Lone Nelson Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an immigrant. 
Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. I think that my family has always had a big influence on me for not smoking because since I was little I was taught that smoking was wrong. Recent studies indicate that smoking among teens often leads to the use of alcohol and other drugs. I think having faith in God is a big part in it because the way I was raised has helped to avoid smoking. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. Back with you live, Lowell Nelson. We're talking about why are all these Treasury Departments <laughs> being involved in the war, quote, strategies or preliminary discussions? What do you want to call them, Lowell? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, I just find it odd that somebody from the Treasury Department would be involved in war planning. But uh, it just tells me, uh, it, it implies that the that we use all... Uh, uh, all levers of power to effect our, you know, ends, right? I mean, our meaning the U.S. administration. If they can, if they can kill a nation economically, and and you know the economic hitmen. We've talked about uh, the books written on that subject about how they they undermine a country by undermining them economically. They bring them down, and then they buy up the resources and and put in uh, uh, puppet dictators that. Uh, do what we want them to do instead of what's good for their own people. I mean, so there's economic war, there's 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 hot wars where you're actually shooting bullets at each other, there's uh, cold wars where you're just you know pitted against each other and you have economic sanctions and embargoes and I mean there's lots and lots of ways to wage war and I just find it ironic that we got members of the Treasury Department as part of this this team. Jake Sullivan's team. So, um, I mean, I don't know what to make of that, except that there are a lot of high-level people involved. And what became clear to the participants in these planning meetings was that Jake Sullivan fully intended to destroy the pipeline and that he was pushing this at the request of the president. So, obviously, uh, the action they took had to be covert, right, had to be totally secret because they didn't want anybody to know that the U.S. had, had done this. And that's why this report is such a blockbuster report. I mean, I didn't know. Uh, this, this is back in September of last year when these pipelines blew up. And um, and what was that, the end of September? And so it's been October, November, December, January, about five months now. This report was issued February 8th. And so four, four to five months later, we get this blockbuster report 
talking about what actually happened to these pipelines. And um, and we have corroborating evidence. I, I watched um, uh, some 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 YouTube video of the um, of the tracker that tracked the the plane that dropped the sonar buoy. We'll get to that in a few minutes here. Um, I mean, this is all corroborated. This story now. Now Seymour Hirsch, who wrote this story, and we'll get back to it in a second. Seymour relies on an inside insider, right, for the story here. And, and so we, we, have to, we have to be careful and cautious in accepting everything that he writes here, but uh, he apparently got it from an insider, and probably right at this moment, we've probably all during February, since this report came out, the Biden administration is probably searching high and low for who was, who was the whistleblower on this, who let out the big secret. But um, and but but Biden also has himself to blame because it turns out that Biden actually talked about destroying the pipeline <laughs> um, on February 7th, just less than three weeks before Russia crossed the border into Ukraine. He did a press briefing with the German chancellor, whose name is Olaf Scholz. And uh, at this press briefing, I watched the briefing last night. Biden said this. He said, "Quote: If Russia invades." talking about uh, invading Ukraine. He says, if Russia invades, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We will yeah, bring and it you know what? And you know what, uh, Lull? Here mm -hmm. is Joe Biden now. Let okay. me answer the first question first. If Germany, if, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then... Uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. But, but how will you how will you do that exactly? Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control, we will. Uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. That was before it happened, Lol. Yep. <laughs> I'm so glad that you played that clip. That's exactly the clip that I listened to last night. So at this point in time, uh, Jake Sullivan's team had had arranged, um, they, they, had, they had figured out how they were going to destroy the pipeline. And I think that's why President Biden was so adamant about, you know, he's saying that, that uh, we, we will do it. I promise you, we will bring an end to it. <laughs> I noticed also, Sam, he did not really answer the reporter's question. She asked how, and he, he didn't even go there. He says, I just promise you, we will stop it, you know. So, um, and now, the problem and, is, the problem is, it documents Joe Biden is a war criminal on the international stage. Yeah, it does. I mean, I don't think he was supposed to have said that, but, you know, he said it. I mean, maybe he's, uh, I, I don't know that. Whether he intended I submit to, to you it's not. a shot across the bow to where I'm even above the world and any repercussions anybody can give me. I'm beyond a kingmaker. I am Joe Biden. I can thumb my nose at anybody I want to. I can do business in the Ukraine criminally. I can go ahead and lie about uh, you know Russia and, and, and Donald. I can get in bed with Hillary and with, with uh, uh, Biden, and we can just lie and cheat and steal with regards to elections. I can do anything I want, lol. Do you know who that's I the, am? <laughs> that's the impression I got as I listened to that press briefing, too, Sam. I, I, I looked at his arrogance, 
um, uh, he, he said it with a very cold and flat tone of voice, but very adamant, like, like I dare you to challenge my authority or, or my knowledge about this affair, this coming event. I mean, he's very arrogant. No and, question. And just, I mean, just very, uh, I don't know. But I mean, you know that's what, what, we, we talk about American hegemony and that America mm-hmm. thinks it's like God and the world's cop and everything else. Other nations are absolutely getting sick of it. And this mm-hmm. heightens this uh, big time, Lowell. Yeah. I mean, look at how cold uh, Europe has been this winter. I mean, um, they have suffered because energy prices went up, which means that to the average consumer that they would be paying more to heat their home. So if they want to stay warm, they got to pay, I don't know how much it is. I, I, I should have looked this up, but maybe, well, uh, more than they paid last year, more than they were paying, maybe double what they were, were paying before. I don't know. But that, but that means they have fewer dollars to spend on other things like food and water and clothing, and it just puts the pinch on the people. Um, and so they're, they're angry. They're angry at their chancellor who went along with this. They're angry at the U- U.S. who blew up the pipelines. And, and these, these uh, rallies, we'll, we'll talk about this in, in a few minutes, but there's rallies held all over the world, Sam anti-war rallies going on, people who are angry at the U.S. for instigating this event. It's just sad. And you and I, Sam, as American citizens, we're going to feel the repercussions from this and probably other events when the, the, you know, the birds come home to roost and, 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 we, and, and we have people trying to beat us up, you know, take, you know, But but this is the first time I've ever seen the U.S. government be so rogue and Mm -hmm. so blatant in your face about this. Everybody in the world knows we took it out. And we've been doing it for well over 70 years. You know, I I talked about We've talked about this before, Sam, but there are like 293 documented CIA operations of undermining other countries, you know, uh, taking out their their leadership and installing, you know, other, other, you know, leaders who more to our liking. This, this regime change um, operation in which the CIA has been involved for over 70 years, this is well documented. And I just think that these guys, they get in the habit of taking out regimes and they just think they can do it to anybody. It's it's beyond my understanding, beyond my well, and belief. Sadly, sadly, so far they have been able to. I and mean, we say yeah. they think they can, they can, and they do. Because we the people don't stop them. In fact, we glorify war. We celebrate war. We have become a warlike people. We celebrate supposed war heroes. We, all right, Seymour Hirsch is spot on on this, highlighting that, you know what? This is a serious, serious concern Ron Paul doing his very best to kind of double down on this. And he writes an article that quotes uh, uh, Hirsch on this, but also talks about the anti-war movement roars back to life. Why? Because we realize that they're trying to take us to war. Ron Paul's column on this is incredible as well. It is, Sam. It's posted at ronpaulinstitute.org. He mentioned Seymour Hirsch's article in this column, um, because he was at the rally at the National Mall in Washington, D.C. on February 19th, right? So this was just 11 days after Seymour Hearst's article was published. 
And there was a huge gathering of anti-war people back on in Washington, D.C. Ron spoke, Tulsi Gabbard spoke, Dennis Kucinich, Jill Stein, along with a number of people from the left and from the right, Sam. People standing together for peace, not war. Liberty, Roundtable Live. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. On Friday, the February jobs report is expected to show roughly 200,000 jobs were created last month. But a big problem starting to be revealed, the American manufacturing sector is starting to show signs of weakness after two years of strong growth. The blame is being put on inflation, the reactionary higher interest rates, and subsequent slowdown in exports. New orders for manufactured goods shrunk for the sixth straight month through February. Rescue and recovery efforts are underway in California's San Bernardino Mountains, where many communities have been buried under several feet of snow for about a week now. A state of emergency has been declared for San Bernardino and Los Angeles counties. Hundreds of residents in Crestline, Lake Arrowhead, Running Springs, and other communities are still stranded and running low on supplies. Chief Don Muncy says crews are using all kinds of equipment to help clear the roads. To access emergencies, we've deployed eight snowcats across the mountaintops. The snowcats are those tracked vehicles, and when they can use them, they do. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, the Republican, was in California's Simi Valley, home of the President Reagan Library. He was taking shots at the governor of California and other Democrats during the visit to the Golden State yesterday. And if you look over the last four years... We've witnessed a great American exodus from states governed by leftist politicians imposing leftist ideology and delivering poor results. And you've seen massive gains in states like Florida who are governing according to the tried and true principles that President Reagan held dear. The FBI is reporting four U.S. citizens were kidnapped after a gunman opened fire on their vehicle in the northern Mexico border city of Matamoros. The FBI is seeking the public's health and offering a $50,000 reward. This is USA News. My heart was racing just making spaghetti. I could have waited to tell my doctor, but I didn't wait. I was short of breath just reading a book. I could have delayed telling my doctor, but I didn't wait. They told their doctors and found out they have atrial fibrillation, a condition which makes it about five times more likely to have a stroke. If you have one or more of these symptoms, irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain, shortness of breath, fatigue, or lightheadedness, this is no time to wait. Contact your doctor. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. The last surviving member of rock band Leonard Skinner has died. Guitarist Gary Rossington was on the plane that crashed in 1977, killing three of his band members. He suffered several broken bones. A decade later, Rossington would reform the Southern Rock Band with original and new members. No cause of death was revealed. Country superstar Travis Tritt tweeted, He's heartbroken by Rossington's loss. Not only were they friends, he said, but collaborators. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, doing a phenomenal job. We're talking about an incredible column written by Ron Paul, highlighting the fact, ladies and gentlemen, that you know what? <laughs> the anti-war movement roars back to life. Talking about um, 
Seymour Hersh's article, How America Took Out the Nord Stream Pipelines. Uh, and the problem is, look, these are acts of war, folks. They are moving us towards war. Ukraine, Russia, that big battle, China on the brink, uh, uh, literally violating our airspace, literally uh, creating all kinds of spy apparatus in America, sitting congressmen sleeping with Chinese spy women. I mean, this is just, it's almost truth is stranger than fiction, lol. It is pretty crazy. No question about that, Sam. But the good news is, I guess, you know, a lot of people are upset about this, and that's why there were big rallies. Uh, yeah, and I'm you know, one of them, sir. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Um, they uh, These rallies, uh, uh, the one in Washington, D.C., was followed by, by much larger anti-war rallies in Paris and Berlin and London and elsewhere. I mean, all over the world. People are raging against the war machine, and, and it's about time. I mean, that's what Ron put in his column. He says, good, it's about time. <laughs> um, you know, and he, he writes also this. He says, the U.S. mainstream media clearly is getting nervous that its control over the narrative is evaporating. How do we know they're nervous? He, he writes, says, they have turned up their lies and slanders of anti-war rallies and voices. <clears throat> and he even talked about, um, uh, what's her name, uh, um, Rachel Maddow, who just spent uh, basically her whole time on on main on lamestream media, just blasting these anti-war rallies and and folks, and almost everything she said was a lie, and uh, just totally false based on objective information that you can get everywhere and anywhere, and 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 but but you know if people don't do their their uh, research, then they're going to believe what Rachel Maddow says. Uh, and, That's and, true. But you know what? The good news, too, is, though, that when Ron talks about how many people assembled, go back and read the names of the people that assembled here, Lowell, because it really shows this isn't a left-right paradigm. This isn't a Republican-Democrat thing. This is a war versus peace thing. And we want to promote peace and reject war, especially unconstitutional, unjustified war. Uh, but look at the, the, the names on this. This is quite interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, so Ron Paul, former Republican uh, presidential candidate, Tulsi Gabbard and Dennis Kucinich, both from the Democrat Party, they were presidential candidates, and then Jill Stein from the Green Party was a presidential candidate. And make no but, mistake, Ron Paul ran before as a libertarian, right? Yeah, that's right. And so that's this nice. is across all parties, across all genres. In other words, this is just people who care and who don't want to see us get into, uh, in my opinion, immoral, illegal wars. That's all. And and you think about it, who who does war benefit, right? I mean, war benefits the armament manufacturers and uh, and and people who have stock in those companies. But I don't think it benefits any other people, Sam. It hurts people. It hurts families. It hurts the the men and women who get killed. It hurts the innocent civilians who are caught in the crossfire. You know, the collateral damage, they call it. And it, it, it forces people and companies and countries to spend their resources on defensive uh, uh, war, war, war defense and offense instead of pu pushing those resources toward more productive uses, you know. And, and so I don't know how war benefits anybody overall. It, it's just, you know, it's just it's sick. And, and we need good people good men and women everywhere to stand up against war, stand up for peace, 
and 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 then hold our elected our public servants accountable to the blueprint of liberty, the Constitution. If we would do that, and if we had been doing that all these decades, I don't think we'd be in such a dire situation that we're in, Sam. There's no question. In fact, the only, you know, Satan loves war. Christ loves peace. And sadly, there are big world global bankers and elitists and money changers, and I can go on and on. You know what? They want war because war foments tyranny. They can advance the cause of tyranny. They can take away our liberties. They can destroy the United States uh, and uh, create their uh, global dream of a tyrannical world that they lead. Uh, They can only do that if they destroy America. They can only do that if they literally hatch Satan's plans again and bring them forward, ladies and gentlemen. Look, this anti-war movement is real. It's serious. It's necessary. Um, We are being drugged into this. And it seems like, you know, you hear in the scriptures, biblically, etc., there's wars and rumors of wars. A lot of these wars are rumors right now, but a lot of them are real. We're in over 130 nations, militarily speaking, and we're about to ratchet up. We're begging for more money. We can't even pay our own bills, but we're sending money hand over fist to supposedly take the, what, Ukrainians' side in the war? I don't think the Ukrainians have any more just cause than the Russians. I don't think either of them have a just cause. They've been faction and at war forever, lol. There's no way to win this. It's an intentionally unwinnable situation that'll drag on forever. Right? Vietnam used to be the enemy back in the 60s. An unjust, un, you know, um, documented, undeclared war. We lost, what, 58,000 Americans? We didn't win. Now we come back and say, hey, Lowell, would you like to invest your business into, wow, what the heck are we thinking? Do you want your business to invest in Vietnam? They make great goods for cheap now, Lowell. And what's changed? Oh, Sam Laos isn't says so aggression-minded. or what, what are we talking about? They look for a new boogeyman and a new enemy every day to foment this agenda, Lowell. Yeah, you got that right. You know, after the Cold War, they didn't have um, uh, Russia as the big boogeyman. And so then they came up with terrorists. And the, the terrorists of the Middle East, that became the boogeyman. And uh, we seem to be taking that out. And, and now, what, some virus is the boogeyman now? And, and of course, that uh, has lost steam. And so now we've got uh, Russia as the boogeyman. And uh, it's going to be, you know, the end of the world. And so, yeah, you're right. They just go from one boogeyman to the next fomenting war, fomenting revolution, and fomenting divisiveness to pit people against other people. That's the plan of the adversary, Sam. And I'm not saying that some of the boogeymen aren't bad guys. I'm not saying Russia's clean and good. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying neither is the Ukraine. I'm not saying that China's good. But, hey, you know, what about Taiwan? You know, what I mean is where do you go with all this? And it never ends. The guy we basically protect and promote today becomes the enemy of tomorrow using the same medical and, and military training as we provided back in the day when they were supposedly the folks we were defending. And as it goes round and round and round, I mean, that's where the CIA and international governments around the world seem to foment these crises. Well, I don't know if I'm more worried about the, quote, international war scale mechanism ratcheting up as much as I am the domestic war reality uh, infecting us as well, Lowell. For example, um, 
There's an incredible article by Ryan McMakin that you bring up that says secession is inevitable. It's not about um, if, it's a matter of when. Lowell? Well, yeah, and I do want to get to that, but I want to finish the story about the pipeline, uh, if I could. Sure. Because the Baltic Sea is heavily surveilled by the Russians. I mean, that's right in their backyard. And so they have great surveillance capabilities, superlative surveillance capabilities, as Seymour Hirsch put it. Um, and so the, the U.S. had a conundrum to, to solve there. How are they going to blow up the pipeline in the Baltic Sea when, when they've got Russia looking, watching that sea day and night, right? How could they do it? Well, they figured that um, the pipelines, when it, when those pipelines, they go near the Danish island of Bornholm. I mentioned that earlier. And they're only 260 feet down at that point. They're, they're much deeper than that most of the way through the Baltic Sea. And how they laid that pipe in the first place, I have no idea. One big, huge engineering feat, I guess. But anyway, when it, when it passes near Bornholm, the pipe, pipes are only 260 feet below the surface of the ocean, right? And so they figured that they would use deep-sea divers uh, to do that. And so uh, they based their operation in Norway. Why was Norway interested? Well, because the U.S. had been investing in Norway military infrastructure for decades. Plus, Norway has natural gas that it wants to sell to Europe. And so if, if, the, uh, if they could blow up the pipelines, then that means that Norway would make more money selling its natural gas to Europe. So even Norway has a devious end in mind in their willingness to participate in this event. Well, so how are they going to cover, what cover are they going to provide for this operation? Well, it turns out that every June for the past 21 years, there's a, uh, the American Sixth Fleet um, has sponsored a major NATO exercise in the Baltic Sea involving dozens of Allied ships throughout the region. And so what they decided was their divers were going to plant the charges around the pipelines during this at the event. Held Nothing the better than a training exercise gone awry for a cover-up, ladies and gentlemen. Quick pause, Lowell Nelson in seconds on your radio. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Ladies and gentlemen, to Liberty Roundtable Live, uh, we've been discussing this blockbuster article by Seymour Hirsch uh, detailing, describing how the U.S. blew up the, the Nord Stream 1 and the Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipelines uh, between Russia and Germany. 
they did it under the cover of an, a naval exercise. Every year in June, the U.S. Navy did this exercise in the Baltic Sea involving dozens and dozens of, of ships, allied ships, perfect cover. And what they did was off the, course of, off the coast of Bornholm, uh, they involved NATO teams of divers planting mines, you know, competing teams using the latest underwater technology to find and destroy the mines. And so all these exercises were going on. You've got the U.S. divers uh, as a part of this covert operation actually planting explosive charges there uh, around Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 uh, natural gas pipeline. Now, they had a they, 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 they first thought that they would use a 48-hour timer and just blow them up 48 hours after they had planted the charges. But then the Biden administration had second thoughts about that, thinking, well, a two-day window was way too close to the exercises. It would be too obvious that America had been involved in the, in the destruction of these pipelines. And so they asked the team to come up with a way to detonate the charges remotely. Well, they, they, so they figured that out using some high-tech uh, signal processing equipment. Um, they devised a way to trigger the, the charges remotely. The signal had to be so unique and so distinct um, that it wouldn't be confused by, uh, by ship traffic in the Baltic Sea. There's, there's lots of ships going, going by. They've got underwater drilling going on. They've got seismic events. You've got waves. You even have sea creatures that can make noises underwater, and you don't want any of that to trigger the charges. And so to achieve this, they used a sonar buoy that emitted a sequence of unique low-frequency tonal sounds that would be recognized by the timing device attached to the explosives, which were uh, put around the, the pipeline. And so on September 26th of last year, this is just four or five months ago, there was a Norwegian Navy P-8 surveillance plane, basically a subfinder, submarine uh, finder, made a seemingly routine flight and dropped a sonar buoy. And this buoy broadcast the, the, uh, the signal that was recognized by the triggers on these pipelines, and, 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 they, and, and that's how they detonated the charges and blew up Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. Three of the four pipelines were put out of commission that day, and then you had a big pool of methane gas collecting uh, on the surface of the ocean right above where the shattered pipelines uh, lay. Um, and, and so that's when the world learned that something irreversible had occurred, and in the immediate aftermath of that bombing, uh, you know, the American media treated it like an unsolved mystery, they even pointed a finger at Russia, saying that Russia was the like, likely culprit, that they blew up their own, you know, pipelines. They self-sabotaged them, their own yeah, pipelines. Yeah, but why would Russia ever do that? That doesn't make any sense when it's a big old revenue source for them. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, it makes no sense uh, to me either. But that's what the, the national media was saying, the lamestream media, and lots of people believed it, you know. So when's <laughs> old jo crazy whacked out Joe going to be arrested as a war criminal? Yeah, I wish uh, I knew. I mean, it's like Bush, the war criminal Bush and, and Obama. I mean, they'll, they'll never be a touch. They'll never be arrested. They get immunity by the powers that be, I'm sure. But, I mean, it would be nice if they if, if they could be brought to justice. But I don't know who's going to do it. Uh, if they have a lot of police power here in the states, 
And so is there going to be another country that comes in and, and exacts vengeance? I mean, I, I, I don't know, but that's what a lot of countries are probably thinking. <laughs> or are we going to have so many internal issues that we go to war ourselves internally uh, with the next civil war or secession or whatever else uh, in the meantime, Lowell? The problem is well, they're bringing everything to the brink, and I don't know which is, which is going to pop when, where, what, right? Well, I hope that if, uh, if it comes to anything that, it, that we ourselves take care of our own dirty laundry, I, I don't like the thought of other countries coming in and and uh, running the, the states here, but I do like the states taking back the power that is rightfully theirs and, um, uh, and putting the general government back in its place. I would, like, I would love that, you know, and if states would assert their sovereignty the way that the, the, the framers designed our, our, our republic, our confederated republic, then yeah, I think we could hold to some of these uh, warmongers uh, to account make them accountable for the uh, the bad decisions that they have made. That's what I would prefer to see. And so Ryan McMakin talks about that in his column, which uh, also is posted at ronpaulinstitute.org, talking about secession. He thinks it's inevitable, and, um, you know, it might be inevitable. He says, look at Russia in 1900 versus Russia in 1920, right? Referring to the Russian Revolution of 1917, right? Changed dramatically. Uh, Russia. What, look at China in 1930 versus China in 1950. Big, big change. How about how many British in 1945 expected their empire to be nearly gone by 1970? Right? Just a few short years, folks. We're talking 20, 30, 40 years that uh, a country can can go from being a world power to just just one more country in the world. I mean, it's, and America it's, is on its way there as we not only have international issues plaguing us at every side, uh, but the economy, we're so tied to the communists in China. Uh, we're so tied to the, quote, fiat currency. We're so tied to everything that, you know what? <laughs> I'm afraid that they're going to have America uh, descend uh, just as quickly, Lowell. I believe that is their plan, Sam. There are already... You know, unilateral agreements among countries in the Middle East and in Asia uh, that uh, meaning they're not denominating their their energy sales in dollars anymore. Um, you know that was the big OPEC agreement in 1971 uh, or two or three right right in that time frame where everybody agreed to sell their energy in you know their oil in in terms of dollars. Well, that and we've enforced that. The U.S. has enforced that agreement. Um, pretty harshly and, and rigorously up until just, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years ago when we have not been able to enforce it on the big world uh, superpowers like Russia. Russia now has agreements to sell their, their oil in rubles. No longer are they doing it in dollars. And so, yeah, this thing is winding down. The dollar is on its way out. And, uh, you know, it's not a matter of if anymore, Sam. It's a, it's a question of, of when. And uh, so where, where's, you know, where are we going to be and what are we going to be doing to, um, uh, to establish our, uh, you know, liberty, to, to preserve our liberty when the dollar disappears, right? I mean, maybe they'll change it over to a digital dollar and, and, and maybe and that'll, that'll be, be their solution. 
Yeah. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen, one of the blessings of America has always been federalism. That's the idea that each state was independent and sovereign. Okay, uh, that's different than nationalism. Is that nationalism is not federalism. Nationalism is a one size fits all, top down uh, thugocracy. Uh, on the other hand, federalism, uh, a different ballgame, a series of joined together by choice republics, Lowell. Uh, that's right, Sam. You know, nationalism uh, is coercing 335 million people to do something or to not do something, whereas federalism is allowing people in, in Idaho to do one thing and allow people in Delaware to do another. I mean, both populations are happy, right? I mean, if you want to be a, a, a leftist, uh, then you go live in New York or California, and, and you're happy there. If you want to, if you want to uh, own guns and and uh, uh, you know and and thump your Bible, and then you live in Wyoming, Utah, uh, Tennessee, whatever. You're happy, and both populations are happy. That's the secret. That's the genius of our federated republic, Sam. That's the genius of our founders, the people who wrote the Constitution, the people who ratified the Constitution and gave it legal force. That's the vision of they. They knew that we were disparate people, right? Meaning various, uh, uh, you know, some people like it this way, some people like it that way. Well, states, independent sovereign states, allows the people to be different and yet coexist. And so that's what we need to get back to. I mean, uh, Ryan concludes his column this way. He says, he says, quote, the answer lies not in doubling down on political unity, maintained through endless violence or threats of violence. Rather, the answer lies in peaceful separation through expanded self-determination, regional autonomy, confederation, and consensus. The choice we now face is between a rearguard attempt at preserving political unity forever and facing the inevitable reality. On one side, there are the unionists with their devotion to the status quo and their col colonialist mindset. On the other side are those who seek to temper the power of the central state and pursue local self-determination. The centralizers are on the wrong side and will ultimately be on the losing side as well." End of quote. So Sam, this country was founded on the principle of self-determination. That was the underlying principle that underlies the Tenth Amendment, which underlies the U.S. Constitution, that Local self-government is the best government. Starts in the family. The family governs itself. And then communities, they govern themselves. And then counties and states. The very best government is the government closest to the people. And it allows for differences, right? It allows people in California to say one thing and do one thing. It allows for the people in Texas to do yet another. And both can be happy if you're up if you're upset at California you can move you can move to Texas you can move to Utah you can move to Tennessee and if you're upset with the, the how conservative things are in Wyoming you can move to Delaware or Maryland or New York if you want right because we have differences and that's totally allowed in our confederated republic that's what we were intended to be and that's what we need to get back to being instead of one homogenous nation where we have a low-grade civil war every four years when we elect a president and then the party that wins then attempts to force its position down the throats 
of everybody else in the country. Sam? Well, and remember, ladies and gentlemen, we delegate authority to the state and to the general government. And if the general government is capable of carrying out their responsibilities, then great. But if they overstep their bounds, if they're not capable of carrying out their responsibilities, we can always pull back as a state and say, look, we're an independent republic and most authority is ours. We're going to not consent to the delegation to the general government anymore because they've been derelict in their duty. And the state can deal with those things. That's the beauty of America. You've got to understand the checks and balances and things. So I'm not really pushing for secession. But I am highlighting that, you know what, at some point, the general government will absolutely fail and not be able to carry out the functions that we've delegated to it. When that happens, we need to be ready uh, to take action otherwise to create other alliances and other stabilizing uh, factors. Okay, I don't want to jettison our government. I don't want a revolution. But I will say we need to change the governing affairs based on what's working or not working. And if the general government is absolutely incapable of taking care of their delegated responsibilities, we must find other solutions. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the power of the Declaration of Independence and the blessing the founders understood. That's direction under God, not government, Lowell. Yes, and the real solution is nullification. It's not secession. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not advocating secession either. But the middle ground uh, between secession and unit, political unity, homogeneity, is uh, nullification, where a state nullifies the unconstitutional acts of the general government, doesn't secede, but simply nullifies and says, general government, you can't do this. You don't have the authority to do what you want to do. And therefore, we are not doing that here in our state. That's the middle ground, Sam. That's where we need to go. Nullification is the answer. Amen to that. Campaignforliberty.org is the website. Get involved. Incredible group across the country today. Campaignforliberty.org. Thank you, Lowell. You're welcome, Sam. Our nationally syndicated radio network, LovingLiberty.net, BrideyOnRadio.com. Spread the word. Share the love. Tell the tale. Archives are up now. Donate liberally, would you please? Every penny will help us tell the tale of liberty. Thanks to everyone for their participation in the broadcast today. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the republic. <laughs>